Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. And today you're going to love, love, love this story and this guest that I've got on today. We are talking about the world of spirits, but with a very, very cool and interesting angle on the podcast today is Claire Marin, founder and beekeeper at Catskill Provisions. Claire, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Pleasure to be here. I, I, I have to say, I'm, and first, thank you so much for working through the scheduling with me. I was really excited to talk to you. And I cannot wait to dive into your company, Catskill Provisions, and your whole background with bees and whatnot. But Let's start with this. I, I I was doing some homework on you. You started your career in publishing, right? You were at Meredith. You're at Women's Brand Group. You know, I'd say kind of the corporate path. And then you decide back in 2010 to start a company called Catskill Provisions. So let's talk about that move first. So what made you decide to get out of the publishing world and start your own business? So I had been beekeeping since 2003. And you know, as a hobby, I would come upstate, lived in the city, you know, hustle and bustle, crazy life, and uh, super busy. And um, I would come upstate and it was, you know, my zen, you know, a place where I really, really got to be myself. And, you know, I found peace here. And the bees were so amazing. They're just fascinating creatures and the way they run their lives so democratically and, and um, for the good of the hive, you know, everything they do is for the good of the hive. So I was really taken by that. And, you know, as we know, corporate life is not so much like that. As a matter of fact, it couldn't be more different than that, you know? So I would go back into the city after this, you know, Zen like, you know, life and, moment in my life, really. And I wanted to bring more of that into my life. And, you know, I managed sales teams uh, as a publisher of magazines, and I began incorporating some of their ethics into my sales meetings, into my talks, into my, you know, keeping my team enthusiastic. And, um, and they loved it. And I, and I saw that there was space for people to, learn from these creatures and some of the way that, you know, they ran their hives and, um, and it really did help us in sales. There's no doubt as, you know, creating a team and all those things. There were just so many parallels. Um, so it was a really cool thing to bring the outside in, you know, to the corporate world. And, um, and then there was honey, of course, you know, I would harvest honey and bring it in and give it to people. So everyone would, who doesn't love honey, you know, so everybody would just go crazy. Right. Yeah. So everybody kept telling me, you got to, you have to do something with this. This is amazing. This is so good. It's so good. Um, and you know, I heard it and heard it and heard it. Um, and I would, again, just treat it as a hobby. And this went on for years you know, um, and, and it was a really wonderful experience that allowed me to balance sure. life quite a bit. So Claire, all right. So you're upstate New York. Um, you've got a team of 300 beehives or you've got over 300 beehives in Delaware, Sullivan and Madison County. It's amazing. But how do you even, st- like, how do you start beekeeping? 
Like, I think if I'm a listener, I'm thinking, okay, wait, how do I even start or get into beekeeping? Like, how did it start for you? Yeah. So I actually bought um, a beekeeping kit to my partner um, at the time who was a, an ag major uh, at Cornell and, and she was totally taken by it. It was like, you know, it was the holiday season and then it was Christmas and I thought, well, what am I going to get her? Let me, so I, I got her <laughs> a beehive, get her you a know, because I thought ag major, right? Wow. And when I didn't, you know, jewelry, all that would be like, so like commonplace. Sure. I wanted something really no, like out of the box, you know, and it was out of the box. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So no I fell in love with it. We yep. totally right. I fall in love with it. And she was like, Taken by it totally, but I really started diving into it and getting, you know, so that was really, uh, you know, I, I joined a couple of uh, beekeeping groups in the area. So I would go to meetings a couple of times a month, started reading a lot about it, um, you know, tons of books on beekeeping and, you know, and I just was so fascinated with it. Um, and, you, you know, the the biggest thing about it, I think, for me is that every hive is different. Every year it's different. Every queen is different, you know, so, so you really challenged, you know, you really are challenged. I mean, there are people that have been beekeeping for 30 years, 40 years, you know, like the elders, you know, these are like people that you, you know, your mentors and they will tell you it's every hive, you know, it's, you know, interesting, you know, it's just a, a cool thing that you could never almost figure it out. It's really, um, you know, very, very interesting. Wow, I don't think people realize that. You know what I mean? You don't talk about beekeeping every day. You do, but I mean, like, in in most people's day jobs or even their hobbies, you know, it's just not. So I th- I bet there's a big gap in people understanding that kind of that craft. Yeah, there totally is. But I will tell you, there's a lot of curiosity about beekeeping. A lot of people have it as a as a fantasy. You know, if you come upstate or if you you know if you go mountainous areas you know there's honey obviously you know everywhere you go there's the beekeeper at the farmer's market or you know um whenever we do farmer's market so many people come over and go yeah i've always wanted to put a hive i cannot tell you how many times i have offered people here's my card if there's anything you know call me and people never call because they never do it but you know it's one of those things that it's like a fantasy you know what i mean (laughs) you know there's a lot of people that talk the talk but then don't follow through on a lot of ideas and that's i'm sure you listen it's not easy beekeeping is super challenging it's hard things are heavy um and then of course there's the a little bit of a dangerous sort of side to it. You know, right. you could get stung, you might could lose control of them. You know, people think that you have to sort of domesticate them, you know, but <laughs> we really as beekeepers, you know what I mean? It's not like, right. so it's not like lions, you know, it's a little different, but I think we, we tend to think that we do so much for them when we're really as beekeepers, I, I feel more like a facilitator than, you know, than, doing the work. I mean, they have the wisdom. They know how to really lead their hive in the most efficient way. Oh, so I'm just crazy. helping them along. Right. You know, it's so yeah. fascinating. Uh, and, and I, and anyway, I, I'm sure we could spend an entire podcast just diving into the ins and outs of yes. different types of beehives. Right. I mean, I, I know it sounds funny, but <laughs> yeah, it's not, totally. right? there's uniqueness to it. It's no, crazy. No, no. Well, so you decided to start your own business in this space and leverage a passion, which I think is so cool. I mean, that's one of the common threads I find with successful entrepreneurs is they're doing something they're really passionate about. Um, 
but then now you're getting into the spirit space. So how does that work? And then how did you determine that was going to be where you went next? Well, in 2009, just when this was, a, you know, a, a thought, you know, I was, I was really thinking about needing a little bit more fulfillment from what I did for a living. And, you know, I had a couple of years money in the bank and I thought, you know, if, if not now, when, you know, um, so during that time, I started looking around at the marketplace, what's going on, you know, I'm in a, a pretty uh, sort of impoverished area of the Catskills, Western Catskills, um, not a whole lot goes on here. This is not by any means Hudson or, right. you know, places that begin that are more developed and, you know, um, and, and I thought, you know, farmers are really losing their, their, you know, will, you know, to continue working so hard for so little. Um, and so I thought if there's something that we could do to bring more um, awareness of the area, help farmers, help people understand how many resources are here that grow naturally, you know, and, and honey and maple and, you know, wonderful fruits and vegetables, um, you know, and, and obviously livestock and dairy. And I mean, it's so rich in resources. And so I really wanted to bring more attention to it. And so Catskill Provisions was born, you know, Provisions is sort of like, an umbrella store, um, you know, uh, position for us where a provision could be anything. It could be from flour to, you know, um, maple syrup to, it could even be whiskey, you know? Um, so the other thing that was going on was the farm distillery movement was, um, just about to be approved by New York state where a farmer could actually sell their, um, their fruits, vegetables, um, you know, maybe at, at market, right? But there were some that were blemished or they didn't sell. They could actually now, they were allowed once again um, to distill like they were before prohibition. Um, so since 1933, farmers weren't able to do that, which is so insane in New York. So um, that really attracted me a lot. And I, and I started thinking if I can have a farmer work with me or buy the grain from the farmer or apples or what is it, you know, that I'm interested in. And I started looking around and rye grows beautifully in New York state. We used to be the rye capital of, of the country until blight um, took it away from us and into the Midwest, mostly um, at the turn of the century. And then we kind of lost that, you know, that position and rye grows beautifully here and it's very spicy and complex and like beautiful for me to add a drop of honey to it, you know? What a um, cool idea, And right? that's, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how the idea got, you know, I mean, I'm in my kitchen with bourbons and rye and experimenting with maple and honey and, you know, what could I do with these products and how can I make them a little more unique, you know? So I decided that balancing flavors would be my platform. I love doing that, um, putting things together that other people might not. And then I realized that there's all these honey flavored whiskeys out there, but they're all super sweet. Right. Too sweet. They, they're yeah. not made with honey. You know what I mean? Like they're like flavored, they're flavored. and colored. And yeah. blah. So I thought, let me take amazing pure rye from New York, add a drop of honey to it bottle it up and um new york honey whiskey was born um and we actually i collaborated with 
a uh, distillery in the Finger Lakes. Oh, you know, good. I approached that, them that and said, would you question. produce yep. this for me? Yep. Yeah, I mean, would you produce it for me? Because, you know, I wanted to kind of put my toe in the water first. Right, try it out. I, you know, went, exactly. you know what I mean? Yep. Investing in a distillery and sure. what do I know, you know? And so, so it's taken me many years and a lot of studying, a lot of focusing on on this. And now I actually just started my own distilling um, I opened, it's it's not open to the public, but we are uh, beginning just three weeks ago, we began distilling our own stuff and I am, I'm doing it. I'm so, awesome. you know, nervous, scared, all of it, excited. Excited. But, yeah. Um, anticipation. Yeah. But I'm doing it. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's been a dream since right. 2010. No, so, I mean, you're not just talking yeah, about it. You're it's pretty cool. It. Well, and you've got two other things, two other products, right? Later this year, the... And New York pollinator gin infused with botanicals. Yeah. And the New York, I say New York, it says NY, New York pollinator vodka. I mean, that, I mean that's yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Absolutely. So. And the, <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I think the pollinator part of things for me is so important because I always want to, in everything we do, bring attention to pollinators and their plight. You know, they are really i mean we're losing 30 40% of of bees every year which is now, why way is above where it should be why is that the case well there are various factors one huge one i mean i've i've tested this myself is um the neocotinoids or the pesticides that are part of uh gmo seeds you know we've made these super seeds that uh, for uh, corn specifically, but a lot of, you know, just about everything else that basically are resistant to any bug, including uh, bees. So when bees pollinate something, now they have it in their, um, you know, pollen, they bring it to the hive and eventually cumulatively within, you know, one season or two seasons, now they're poisoned by it. And so, you know, we all need to pay attention to buying non-GMO, organic, every possible turn, um, you know, every every, gross, every grocery store that you go to, um, you know, has so much focus on that now, pretty sure. much. No question. And, um, you know, you see large, like, cereal companies doing it, you know, non-GMO and organic. Super important. No question. To pay attention to that because we're wow. literally killing them um, slowly, crazy. which is just not, you know, it's not good news for us. As, yeah. You yet know, we another need pollination, yeah. obviously. And yet another factor most people just don't realize, right? But, um, well, okay. So I didn't mean to get us off track there. But so um, so back on your product. So exciting. You're growing the business. Um, you're one of, okay, I was. Uh, this is an interesting fact. 1,700 craft distillers in the country. Only three are run by women. So. Give me some of your thoughts on the insight there. Is it just a, a traditional male business or or what's your thought on, on that fact? Yeah, so it is. I mean, since since those numbers were put together, there, you know, there have been more women sort of popping up, I think, in the last few months, too. Even in, I mean, I think a year and a few months, um, you know, we have seen the number go up and maybe it's, you know, we are making more noise, you know, there were more um you know, forward um, and, and, you know, at, at the front of, of um, the businesses, uh, finally, but um, there's probably between like 10 and 20 somewhere, you know, wow, still sure. a ridiculously lo low number, obviously. Sure. Um, 
So, you know, I think diversity is something that's so important to anything, you know, any business that is more diverse sees just more growth. It's just the the way it is, you know, Um, and, um, you know, so I do hope that more women get into it, that we start really um, being a little more at the forefront of these businesses and not just administrative, you know, because you see women in the tasty room and in, you know, the office running, you know, sort of the administrative part of it and the men are really making and uh, these things. And I, you know, as women, I think like we have incredible uh, skills in, in um, making flavors and, you know, our palates are really good and sharp and um, distinctive. And so I think we have a lot of, um, a lot to contribute to it, you know, and, uh, you know, my, my goal is definitely to make it um, more diverse um, and support other women in the industry to come out to be a little more, you know, again, at the forefront and not sort of hang back, you know. Um, in the very beginning of distilling, um, women were the ones making it, interestingly enough, because it was seen as cooking. You know, you're basically making mash is is almost you know you're making an oatmeal or you're making you know what i mean so it was very much you know men were like oh well that's cooking you know i don't want to do that um so women did it and then they the guys would just go out to market to sell it you know right um so again the women were like in the background um and in ireland and scotland a lot of the big names if you look at history a lot of women inherited the, their businesses, big, big distillers from their husbands, they pass away, the woman takes over, and now it thrives. You know, there are countless stories about that. It's sort of interesting, you know, the, the woman or, you know, would bring it to two or three steps above that. You know, it's just, um, you know, we just think differently. And, and not to say that women are, you know, better, we're just, um, you know, again, we, we just, that diversity really helps things, sure. you know? Well, I always um, like to, but it, yeah. it is, yeah, go ahead. It, it is something to do also with like strength, you know, things are heavy, they're bulky, they're hot, they're, you know, so there is definitely, I mean, you have to want to, you know, be challenged, you know, physically challenged a lot. You know what I mean? Things are not made. I mean, I'm five two, and, you know, it, it, I, I just, sometimes I don't have the strength to do certain things. So, you know, being a beekeeper has kept me very fit without a doubt, but um, you know, a lot of women might not want to do that. You know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah, no um, question. That's another thing I think. Well, I always like to ask entrepreneurs like would have been one of their biggest, you know, one or two lessons learned. And I'm sure you've had a number of them over the last couple of years. What, what would be one or two you'd like to highlight for our audience? Um, I think the biggest thing, if you're considering starting a new business is really, really research a lot, go to groups, that are in that category, in that field to really learn what the ups and downs are before you get into it. Joining groups would have made my day-to-day so much better, I think, because then I wouldn't have felt as, you know, there's a loneliness about starting your own business because you really truly are doing it on your own, you know? And so, yeah, to remedy that, I would definitely say, you know, be open and, and, you know, just, Join groups as many as you can, networking, things like that, you know, support. You need support for yourself. It's much harder if you don't have it. Sure. Uh, totally. And and then it helps you build your network and 
find partnerships and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Claire, where can our listeners find you, connect with you, find your products, engage with you, et cetera? So the best place to find us is to go to um, our website, CatskillProvisions.com. And you will see um, a way to connect with us via email. Um, I get 95% of those emails and then, you know, I'll send (laughs) them off to the team. But a lot of times I respond to them uh, consistently. You can find us um, at stores in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. And on that website, you will see separated the artisanal fine foods part of it and then um, our spirit too. So any announcements or anything like that, sign up for our newsletter. It's great. We do maybe like one one a quarter pretty much. So we won't bombard you, but it's just always, you know, pretty good news. We get really nice uh, rates of people returning and, and reading them and stuff. So that's awesome. I think we're doing a pretty good job there. Yeah, well. that's great. Well, Claire, hey, listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Really, it was a pleasure, Justin. Thank you very much. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.